Yes, sir, we promised you a great man. Oh, yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, special cheap heat situation. Here's what we're going to do. First of all, I'm going to introduce my guest. I mean, listen, this man right now, you know, he's just the hottest thing smoking in in pro wrestling today, in in sports entertainment today. His name is Roman Reigns, a.k.a. the head of the table. Acknowledge him, and we do. Roman, how are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thank you. How about yourself? Uh, I'm good, man. So so here's what we're going to do. We're going to do, I'm going to let the whole Cheap Heat uh, podcast audience in on everything. We're going to do a break for radio on Hot 97 when we make this uh, announcement. And then, Roman, I've also surprised that guy, Greg, uh, my co-host. He knows we're doing a podcast. He does not know that you're on said podcast, so I'm just going to pop him by having him join and see you sitting here. So I just look forward to seeing how awkwardly this plays out. Tag him in. Let's do awkward. <laughs> All right, here we go. So let's do the radio part right now. All right, Laura Styles, Ebro, everyone. This is very, very exciting. Um, you know, it's been a long time coming for this city um, and for, for everyone uh, really to get back to some sense of normalcy. And one of the things I've been thinking about again is when am I going to get to attend a WWE event as a fan? Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful going and working the pay-per-views and being in the Thunderdome. But I'm by myself. There's no no WWE Universe is there. And that is all going to change September 10th. Madison Square Garden. SmackDown is at the Garden. Full capacity audience. And here to welcome in the big news is the star of the show, the head of the table, Roman Reigns. Roman, thank you for joining us, man. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. So I got to ask you, I mean, the the obvious easy question, uh, how exciting is it for you to just get to be able to do what you've been doing in front of a live crowd again, in this case, at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden? It's cool. It's almost like, in a weird way, like an off-season and you've been working on your stuff, you know what I mean? Working on your skills, sharpening all your tools. Um, and it's nice because obviously with the Thunderdome um, and, you know, content being king, we've been able to display some of these tools. But to be able to put in, put in front of a live audience, to, to be able to use that interaction that's made, uh, you know, our product, the WWE, our interaction between, you know, performer and audience, such a special, uh, you know, relationship and such a special atmosphere, uh, to be able to put all these new tools and all these different uh, skill sets to uh, 
you know, to the test is going to be exciting for me. So can you t- can you promise the WWE Universe of New York, who's listening right now, and by the way, tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., um, can you guarantee them that come September 10th, you will not only be head of the table, but also still be your, you know, our, I should say, universal champion? Well, I'll just say this. If I'm not, I ain't going to be there. So <laughs> me, me and the universal championship, the key to the kingdom, it goes hand in hand right now. There, There is no difference. Uh, it, we're attached at the hip at this point. So if, if for some crazy reason, some, uh, you know, uneventful scenario happens to where I'm not the universal champion, you probably aren't going to see me up there uh, at MSG uh, on September 10th. So with that being said, it's all guaranteed that I will remain the universal champion. I will remain the head of the table, the tribal chief, the best of the best. Where's Paul Heyman to just keep going? It's too much. It's it's too much to say at this point. Uh, So ladies and gentlemen, the tickets are on sale tomorrow. I know your kids uh, everyone's been desperate to get back after it. I know I have been as well. We're going to be giving away tickets down the line right here on Hot 97, but we just wanted to have Roman on so we could celebrate this tomorrow. Uh, the tickets go on sale for September 10th at Madison Square Garden. Now, Roman, I got a lot of things to dig into with you um, when it comes to the, the the last year and change that you've had, and um, we're going to do that. What I'm going to do right now for the Cheap Heat audience is send over to Stat Guy Greg this uh, this this room so he can join us, and he'll join in here. Um, and the first thing I can't wait to do, I, listen, maybe you'll prove me wrong, but Stat Guy Greg and I have had an argument about the Thunderdome. He he loves the Thunderdome so much for for live TV for week to week TV that he would be good with that staying. And maybe I'm too close to it, Roman, but in my opinion, getting to be there just once a month and and feel what it feels like, and don't get me wrong, getting to see everyone work, it's a beautiful thing. I enjoy watching it on Peacock, all of that. But I can't help but think that you guys are desperate to be able to do this in front of a live audience again. Yeah, I mean, you you have a pretty cool perspective. You know, I've seen you within, you know... uh, TVL, the locker room uh, for our production crew, uh, through the backstage, the catering, all the way to doing your thing on the panel, you know. And uh, and by the way, thank you for uh, the catering because you are the head of the table. So every time I take a bite, you know, I'm saying I appreciate you. We out here filling bellies, man. That's what we do. Don't <laughs> worry. I got five kids, so it's every day for me. I'm used to feeding people. Um, but yeah, you know, your perspective is neat because uh, you, you kind of toe the line where you, you know, have that that fan. Um, perspective as well. That's what kind of sucked you into the, the product and, and this world. Um, but then you also, from a professional standpoint, help us tell our stories, help us, you know, to display the, the information that we're trying to get across, help us, uh, you know, transfer the message. Um, so it's hard, you know, because as, as someone who was born in this, also a fan of it, um, and someone who's deeply tied into it, there there's no there's nothing that can ever replace that simultaneous response, that interaction with the fans. Uh, but then, you know, the other side of it is as someone who's been on the road for a long time, mm. you kind of, you start to appreciate this once a week. 
we jump on the bus and we just head to Tampa for a few hours and then I'm right back, you know, in my bed. So uh, there's there's never going to be any scenario that's going to replace the, that live response from our crowd. But at the same time, I think you have to find the silver lining in everything and, and the Thunderdome, um, obviously being in quarantine and being in the middle of a pandemic it's it's not fun you know and a lot of a lot of people's lives have been affected a lot of lives have been lost so we're always thinking about them um, and trying to pay our respect to them but also that comes with the hard work that you put in every day to make this adjustment to make the best out of these you know these uh, obstacles and adversities that are in our way um, which i think is going to just make it even sweeter for when we do kind of get back to normal and we do open up the events and bring in that live crowd so it's a little bit of both you know I, i'm a I'm going to stay in the middle, stay on the fence on this one because I... <laughs> well, listen, like all of us, like all of us, there, as weird as it was to adjust, once we got used to the living, the working from home thing, like I went back to the studio today and like, don't get me wrong, I miss seeing Ebro and Laura in person, but yeah, you get comfortable waking up and walking to the living room to go to work, so... That perspective is is certainly different. Oh, Stack Eye Greg, welcome aboard. This is our uh, Roman Reigns. Oh my God! I mean, I don't even know what do we call you. Uh, do I address you as the Tribal Chief, uh, Sir? Oh, that's fine. All the above. Yeah, we, we got plenty of monikers, plenty of AKAs. Uh, so yeah, man. So listen, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> well, know if he I, made you aware, but I, I have great reverence for what you're doing right now and for what you've been doing over the past couple of years. I, I'm not new to the bandwagon. It's getting pretty full right now, but I just want you to know, like when it was just a couple of us running around, I was there. <laughs> I don't know if it was only a couple, but yeah, uh, come on, that. SGG. Yeah, they made it, they made it sound like that. They made it sound like that. Now, <laughs> now, that's, that's, what the... that, that's what that, that loud minority wants you to think. But right. They, they don't go. They don't travel with us. They're not on all the tours. They're not. They're not international. You know. They, they don't see how the 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 complete global response is. Uh, I wish it was just a domestic situation, but man, this is uh, WWE uh, and the Roman Reigns brand is global. Now let's so let's talk about this this run, Roman. Um, that. I, I remember sitting there that day. We had just we we were finishing up the podcast. Actually, it was a, an odd Friday where we recorded, and all of a sudden, I had the volume down, and I see Paul Heyman, and I I see that camera pan over, and see that you guys are together. And Roman man, I'm curious to what you guys talked about beforehand because if if the goal was to just surprise people and have people go, oh my God, a moment. Bro, that was one of the most exciting moments, an actual turn that makes people go, holy ish, this is happening. Where did the conversation begin? And did you was that the desired effect? It was just one of those rare moments where people can't believe what they're seeing? Well, I think the, the rare moments and, uh, you know, displaying new layers, um, and elevating the performance every single week. That's always going to be a part of, uh, you know, a staple of what we're trying to do. Um, but I think what's made us so special is, you know, the preparation. And that goes individually throughout our careers, Paul and I, um, everything that's had to happen and, you know, the, the journey that we've both been on to get to this point in our careers to, to kind of collide and, and make this thing happen. Um, but I think it goes with the, the similar and, uh, you know, the very parallel mindset of trying to be the very best every single week. Um, and, and this is some stuff I've said to Jay and Jimmy uh, uh, on screen, but it, I mean, it's a shoot. It's for real. 
is we're trying. This is the only way I want to be remembered is being the the hands down, head and shoulders better than everybody else on the show, everybody else in the world. Uh, they're all trying to catch up. I mean, at this point, I feel like it, within a marathon, we're lapping people because we put so much preparation, so much thought into the detail, the nuance, uh, and trying to deliver the most sophisticated, not confusing, but very respectful stories uh, as we can. But, you know, it was something when, when me and Paul knew we were going to get together, um, it was immediate just starting to spitball and, and kind of just oh, – we knew it was something that was going to have to be fleshed out like in real time, obviously week to week um, and be put into the situation and know our barriers, know, know which walls we were going to have to go over, avoid or just bust right through. Um, but we were game planning everything. And I think that was the common denominator um, is that we just want to be special because we both, I mean, we're at points, you know, he, he been, you know, on an awesome run with Brock for what, like 10, 12 years, mm -hmm. doing everything that they did. And then for myself, I mean, I already had four main events of WrestleMania, uh, multiple championship, uh, you know, reigns and stuff like that. So there, there wasn't much that I had, that I hadn't already done in, in this uh, industry. So for, I think for both of us, it was just really about developing that cherry on top, really, you know, solidifying um, the legacy and, and, and cementing this Hall of Fame portion of our careers. So I got to ask you this. Um, when does art like and life, when does, I know it's hard to pinpoint when the blur happens, but I don't, I don't talk about on the podcast the things that I see and, and hear when I work the shows. I have a very – I respect everything too much to, to blurt anything out. But I can say this without saying anything. There was a moment when, uh, at some pay-per-view recently, Paul was delivered information regarding you in front of me. And I didn't, I didn't hear exactly what was said. I just heard Paul's reaction. And Paul went, he's not going to like this. He's not going to like this. And I popped so big because in that moment, I can't tell story and real life. Like, Paul Heyman's really working with Roman Reigns all the time. And a message for you was being delivered to him. Did that relationship emerge over time where to some degree the way we see it on TV is kind of the way things are when you're at work? Um. Well, I definitely think like the relationship has evolved, you know, even like being on the other side as like the opponent of Brock Lesnar um, and, and still having that performance relationship with Paul, uh, you build that equity and that like, uh, you know, that, that common ground between each other, that familiarity um, between the two to where we kind of know how each other operates. We get a, we get a sense for each other's personalities. So, you know, the, the likes, the dislikes, the, the do's, the don'ts, that type of situation. So, uh, but that's a, that's kind of a testament to Paul, you know, is um, when he's working with you or for you for that matter, well, excuse me, if he's working with you, then in his mindset, he's working for you. Mm. So everything he does is to cater to that performance. And, and he's been around performers pretty much his whole adult life, right? So, like, uh, he, he knows that he needs to do everything in his in his capability to make the performer comfortable in what they're doing. Mm. And so for me, you know, every, ever since we started working together, I think it, it really shows up. Uh, I'm able to wear the skin of my character so much more seamlessly just to, to be in it completely uh, submerged in it, uh, in the atmosphere and become him. 
Um, and uh, that goes back to the 24 seven 365 relationship that we have where, I mean, I could receive a text from him right now, sitting here game planning what we want to do for Friday. You know what I mean? That that's, that's, uh, that's just something that he's always doing. He's always looking out, you know, for me as a person and me as a performer as well, because they go hand in hand and they affect each other completely 100%. So that, that's just a testament to Paul, uh, his professionalism and just how genuine he is when it comes to the people he's working with and, and his loved ones for that matter. Mm. Yeah. So speaking about the seamless transition between who you are on screen and off screen, something you're doing right now that, that I absolutely love is, is what I call the Peloton promos, which is just you on the bike, just giving your thoughts to the fans, sometimes to Jay, sometimes to Jimmy, to whoever, whoever it applies to. Like, where did that come from? Just the the just the thought to just say, you know what, while I'm getting this workout in, I'm gonna address, I'm gonna address the people and give them the real to get them, oh, everybody ready yeah, for you're Friday. Talking about my, my cardio. Uh, yeah. I, you lost me. I, well, I thought it was like just like something that happens in the Peloton world. like Peloton trainers are just cutting promos on you and stuff <laughs> and just telling you how they really feel. <laughs> uh, it, you know what I mean? It, it was just something. I think it's it's one of those situations. And you hear all like the really good ones. You know, you, you hear them uh, say that like, once they find that thing, it's just themselves dialed up, right? But like, once you connect that thoroughly with what you're doing, material comes easy. Like it becomes where it's like, man, I can just push out content. Like I, I just riff on something and I just, man, this is pretty dope. Let's let's try to, let's see if it comes out right. And I'll just, you know, if it's the day after, a lot of times those, those uh, little promos happen the next morning when I'm kind of still digesting the performance and, and, and you know, the, what I just did. Um, and I'll just have like this thing, like, man, yeah, maybe I can just do this. And, and also with that, like, it's something that I want to share with, with the fans, right? It's, it's a, it's a piece of content and it's a, it's a mindset or just a, like a, a brainstorming, you know, uh, lane of just me trying to let them know where I'm at on this day and in this in particular time. But at the same time, it helps kind of somewhat, sometimes it doesn't always do it, but it gives like our creative and everybody around us an idea of, oh, where's Roman Reigns? at going into you know coming out of that Friday or out of that Sunday and now we kind of have an idea of what's going to happen on on Friday you know the next Friday so for me it's it's an opportunity to continually connect with the fans and and, and give them a, a piece of where the tribal chief is uh, so to speak and then also a way to influence what I'm doing going forward I know we don't have a ton of time with you, um, and again, we're, we're on Cheap Heat now, but we're talking about the return to the Garden, Madison Square Garden, September 10th for SmackDown. A few quick hitters I want to ask. Um, is this the most fun you've ever had in WWE, being the head of the table? Oh, without question, yeah. I mean, it, you know, like, like every week, and, and when you're in this position, it's a weekly battle, right? So, like, there there is a little bit of stress that goes in, involved with the creative scenario and fighting for what you believe in and, and, and really jockeying for your position of, of telling your story the way you want to tell it because, I mean, it's a collaborative uh, uh, situation. So, you know, you have to be a, t a team player. But, man, it's fun. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's a different scenario and, and a lot of different, you know, silver linings of this uh uh, Thunderdome situation has, has kind of influenced it in different ways. But when, when I'm out there and I'm performing, when I go through the curtain, and Paul will tell you, I mean, 
I, there's goosebumps just all over, all over me, all through my back and my arms and stuff when I'm going out there for a performance that I'm dialed in on. Uh, there's nothing better than that. Um, would you consider ever, does it ever cross your mind? I know the time is certainly not now and nowhere near now, I'd imagine. Does the idea of another shield run ever interest you? No. L- I love the straight answer. Um, yes. It just doesn't uh, cross your mind. No, nah, I mean, I, a lot of respect for everything that we did now, but um, I, and a lot of that, that time was uh, really uh, pivotal for me to learn and, and gain the experience, uh, be around other performers, performers and see how their process is and how they attack things and how they think about things. Uh, but where I'm at now, it's a one-man show. I, I, I couldn't even, like, you know, I, I had the family dynamic with my cousins, but at the same time, I call the shots. I, I, I'm my thumb. I, it's my thumb that's down on this on this pole. So yeah, I don't think I could share it anymore. You think? Do you think you and Seth could still pull off some big time magic on the on the biggest stage one day? Together or against? No, each other? against each other. Against each other. Yeah. Me, me. I mean, Seth is a special performer, uh, especially in ring. Um, that like. It can be a cold situation. You, you give us a crowd, you give us a ring, and we're going to make something special happen. So you put us in a scenario like a WrestleMania, a SummerSlam, a big pay-per-view, no question. I mean, that chemistry, uh, that 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 strive for greatness between, that ambition for greatness between the both of us, um, it'll always be there. So that's what's going to always make it special. So, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's easy. That's like insurance policy. When, when in doubt, throw me in yeah. together. And it'll be in case off. of emergency, break glass. Yeah, in case of yeah, Isn't it fair to say though? Go ahead, Greg. Isn't it fair to say though that's where you at with anybody? Like if if they drop anybody in the ring with you, I feel like you're gonna get magic, no matter who it is, no matter how much the notice is. Yeah, I mean, I, I do feel that way, and I have that confidence. Um, and I, I feel like my character work is so layered now, and I've I've gotten to a point now where like my 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 storytelling as far as like physical conflict has come from so far within my background with football, just being a young man, you know what I mean? Whether legitimately fighting my cousins to be in college <laughs> fighting in a bar, you know what I mean? Like, right. don't do that. I'm not condoning that. I'm not like, <laughs> promoting that. But you got to defend yourself if need be. But like, it's one of those situations where I have so many different like experience factors that kind of tap into my performance now that I know how to display these type of stories. So like, I can find a way to really brighten up a rivalry, no matter who it is. But whenever that, whenever your dance partner is really good, it makes it so seamless. It makes it such a you know such a more such a more unique. Uh, um, uh, you know, performance, I think. Um, but I, I have no question, no doubts in, in my ability to, to raise people up, to, to make them step up. What happens? We, we've heard there are rumors out there about us getting you versus John Cena at some point down the line. And John, if John Cena were to walk back into that locker room, do you feel at this point like the, the changing of the guard has officially happened and where it is clear at this point that he is someone who will always be a part of the company but is visiting and it is your house now? And how will that impact you in terms of working out, if you were to work with him, the way that you would work? Like, Do you see, that, do you see yourself being in a different position in that relationship where the young pup is kind of now the, the, the big dog, no pun intended? Um, 
So I think there's a couple of different like folds to this scenario because like even before like uh, I forget which year it was no mer I know it was a no mercy when me and John went the first time I, I had already been in that position you know I mean John had been kind of around periodically jumping in kind of on interval stretches uh, but like I was still the main event you know if he jumped into a live event and to help out the show. He would go on before intermission or he would find himself in a different position. I would I would close us out, you know what I mean? So it, it was still a situation where but at the same time, like you said, I was much younger. And, I, and that's where a part of this this uh, process that we're in now, these new layers that I'm, you know, I'm showcasing. It took every single, you know, every day, every single week on the road, every single year and have all these manias to stack up to put me into this position to where I truly can tap in and, and maximize my potential, you know, and take it even further than that. Um, but at the same time, and, and this is out of, you know, this is just the way our business is, and that's what's beautiful about it, is the respect that we have for our history and the respect that we have for the superstars who pulled that wagon. And, and there's no question, you know what I mean? I, uh, it would be a bold-faced lie if anyone ever said John Cena did not you know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, tow the train for a long time. And, and, and we're going to always have respect for that. Vince will always have great respect for that guys like undertaker. That's why we have these legendary contracts to where we keep these guys. We, when they paid their dues, they, they guided our business. They laid, you know, the foundation for us to continue this journey and continue uh, the su success that we have. So I think there was always going to be that, that, uh, scenario out of respect when they come back, it's it's to only bring more eyes and and to kind of lift the tide up, right? To to, to make it a bigger event. Um, but when you have someone like myself and John was in the same position with Dwayne, you know this is and and hopefully one day I'll be in the same position coming back, and, and there will be a new you know there will be a new head guy, there will be a new top dog. Um, but that's what drives the business, and, and that's what makes us even greater is when when our guys go out and find great success, and then they bring that limelight, they bring that shine back to, to what started them, back, back to their first love. SUG, you got one more for Roman? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there being a, a potentially a new top guy that, that's going to have you in the Cena spot right now and, and keep that cycle going. How, who do you think it would be? Because even as you said that, I tried to think of like, who would be the guy that would have you in that position? And I can't think of anybody. Who do you think is the is the one person on the roster that you really have to watch out for that in maybe like five or six years, mm. they're going to be taking your spot or like looking to take your spot? Or is that person not there yet? Great. Great. You got to follow your instincts, bro. You, you said it yourself. There ain't nobody. There ain't nobody. It's no man. Like, and it's no like I'm like I. I could say my favorite number two, Drew. You know, he's my favorite number two. There's a bunch of number twos, threes, whatever you want to call it. You know, we can we can rank them. It really don't matter. They're under me. How far under? Who knows? Who who really cares? That's up to them. Point? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, how strong of a number two do you want to be? And at this point, my favorite is Drew McIntyre. So, if in a perfect world, if there was a there's an opportunity to pass the torch to him, he's the one guy I think that that you know, has, has captivated my attention in, in that manner. But at the same time, he ain't there, you know, I, I'm, and it's only because I'm still here so solid within, within my, my, you know, my foothold, my, my stronghold is so the flag is fully planted in. So I, I can't even, 
I can't even think about it now. But I mean, in order for like every like John needed somebody to come in so he could move, you know, on and try new things uh, and take care of his body. I will eventually need that. But there's just nobody at this point. Do you do you ever have, um, you know, Greg alluded to it earlier that there there have been times when the Internet to be clear. OK, because I go to the, yeah. the shows, the, the the live shows, I see the reaction you've always gotten. But the internet had their feelings on you, um, as they often do on the guy that appears to have been anointed the guy. Now, I've always had an issue with this because I believe the crowd anointed you the guy. And then when the company agreed with the crowd, the crowd was like, well, screw you. You don't tell us what to like. And that that was kind of how I saw that play out. Do you ever have uh, a chip on your shoulder about the, the lack of respect there and you think back to the Royal Rumble moment in Philadelphia years ago and and these days there's just no way to deny like you'd have to be, just be an outright blind hater to deny the work that you're doing does that chip on your shoulder drive you at all or is it not something you ever think about you can't see it <laughs> I mean yeah it, it's huge you know? yeah, that's, that's exactly what drives me and that, that's the like it so with this run alone, what I showcase in Thunderdome alone, I could walk away, like on top of everything I already did. And then you take in this last year uh, of performances and, and everything that I, I've set out to do, I, I'm either I've done it or I'm currently in the middle of, you know, getting to that point of achievement. Um, but that's the one thing we haven't showcased is that relationship with the audience, with the WWE universe, with, with the people who have made it a little bit harder than it probably should have had to be. But at the same time, through these hardships, through these struggles, through all the pressure, out comes a diamond, right? So like, I wouldn't be the same if I didn't have these different, you know, adversities to work through as far as a performer um, and, and all these different, you know, learning lessons and, uh, you know, these these growing pains I've gone through. But man, once we get to a point, you know, that that's what makes my, my character and what I'm doing so special is I've made a relationship between every single character within the company and and that, that goes with the guys who are around me paul the usos all the way to my opponents you know and the people who are trying to take my spot uh but i have not showcased that that relationship with a live crowd yet i haven't been able there was one little taste uh when i power bombed brian through through the table at wrestlemania and i just kind of you know I, I went off a little bit i did it after the man once i stacked those fools and pinned them I, did, I went off on the crowd and, and them for trying to step up and, you know, and take what was mine. But at the same time, I haven't really been able to tell that story and the way it's affected me, the way it's transitioned my, my thought process um, and calloused me and then also driven me to become the man I am today. Did Was there any reluctance to you becoming this guy? Like, because Roman, let's just lay it all out here. In the years before you, everyone wanted Cena's character to evolve. It never happened. Everyone waited, and a lot of people think it's a real... It's one of the things that is kind of missing from his career is that we didn't get to see what he could have been like. And um, in your case, particularly when you got sick, um, and thank God you're better, everyone's like, well, listen, everyone's going to root for this guy forever, no matter what. Uh, Now, there's no chance his character will evolve in a way where he's not the fan favorite because he's inherently beloved, and he's had this trauma he had to deal with was there any reluctance about this? Did you have to be the one to drive it, or was everyone on board with this sort of change? 
I think we were all on board. I mean, I think there were definitely reservations and, um, you know, and thank God that, you know, I'm, I'm completely healthy now. And, and, you know, that was a scary time. It was, uh, an unexpected one, but at the same time, like life, you know, goes in so many different, you know, fashions, we got to roll with the punches and, and adjust. Right. So, um, but it connected with so many people. Um, and I was able to, to tell my story uh, on a, on a very worldwide intimate level, uh, which so many people were able to kind of find strength and hope in, um, and, and know that even when it appears to be like, man, really good for this guy, there are some things that happen. We all struggle with something, right? Uh, no matter if it's something with your health, all the way to something as, you know, uh, common as paying your bills, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, I think we all bond with struggles. So there was like a little bit of, uh, I was a bit hesitant because I didn't, I didn't want to damage that relationship that I've created with uh, my supporters and people who have tapped into my story and found like uh, some measure of hope through through the struggles mm-hmm. that I've been through. But at the same time, we're a performance of, you know, it's 2021. It's, it's the, uh, we're, we're in like the information era where, you know, it's very commonly known what we're doing here as performers and as a show who ultimately is trying to put smiles on faces. So at the end of the day, if I can provide that entertainment, um, you know, still have a 100% connection and a relationship with our audience, and then also do my very best to um, drive our product to help our company put itself in a better position and ultimately, you know, leave this place better than it found it, then I'm able to do everything that I wanted to. So with all that being said, it made sense. Yeah, it would seem silly to not be able to do that while at the same time superstars are on social media all day, every day, displaying their personalities. Yeah. You know, it just – so I'm, I'm – A, we're so grateful that you're well. Um, it, yeah. was, it was a scare for everyone. Um, you're, in my experience with you, you're nothing but a great guy, a uh, great guy. And also, you know, I'm grateful that we've gotten to have this moment. Have you – can you give us anyone, is there anyone out there in the history of the business that you looked at it all when kind of figuring out exactly what this looks like? Because i got to tell you, I know it is you, but my favorite thing about the last year – is the way you talk to people. It's like you're yeah. you're trying to be a good guy. You want them to understand, but they can never understand. <laughs> where take where did you where was this just you? If I was to ask your wife if she was like, "Well, honestly, when he's an a-hole, that's what he talks like all the time." Where did it come from? <laughs> uh, did not just shut that promo down real quick. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think it's absolutely a part of me. Um, but I think that's the beauty of performance, right? Is you can take the things that you either really like about you and 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 like characterize them and, and put them on screen and, and use them as, uh, you know, emotions and motivators to inspire what you're trying to do within your performance. Or you take the things you don't like, you know what I mean? Like you, you can take some things that you're trying to better, you know, and, and I think, you know, as far as, as Joe is concerned, I'm, I'm always trying to become a better person, right? Like I'm trying to really like dial it down and figure out exactly the man I want to be. I'm 36 years old now and I'm still trying to figure out exactly the type of human that I want to be and display and, and, and you know, the, the legacy and the message that I want to leave behind when, it, when my time passes. Um, so every single day we're working on something. We're working on some kind of progression to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better son, you know, what have you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
so with those, when th with those learning curves, things that I don't necessarily like or things that I feel are powerful about my personality or, or you know, my, my interaction, my relationships, things I've learned like that, I'm able to use them, uh, you know, within my performance. So, yeah, I mean, there's probably been some times I try to, you know, I, I try to sway somebody or manipulate somebody. You know, that, that's what's cool about me and the twins is this is like it was over baseball cards back in the day and, and like stupid things, you know what I mean? Like, like uh, little kid stuff, but like these these dynamics that you see that we put on screen, we've been doing them for a very long time, for 30 years now. So that's why it comes uh, so authentic for our audience. And that's why I think every, everybody's able to uh, really, really tap into and connect to it because it's not like, the, it, it's not a performance the, the majority of the time when we're doing it. We just tap into some old stuff, old experiences, um, and try to use, you know, the reality of the performance and make it our, uh, you know, make it, make it that moment. Uh, will, go ahead, SUG. So I have a question too. Growing up with the twins, have they ever tried to like, have they ever tried to two on one? You ever like, they ever tried to jump you? Has there ever been with situations? Because I would imagine like you guys are always so close in age, and you know, I have cousins that I'm close with, and like the sibling bond, as close as you are as cousins. Sometimes when this, when push comes to shove, that sibling bond, you just find yourself in a situation where it's like, all right, I got to eat this one. Okay, so no, they've never done that to me. Uh, <laughs> never in a physical, never, never in a physical like uh, form. But all they've right. done it emotionally and like uh, you know from a from a you know from like a true interaction standpoint. Uh, you know, like like I've now become you know sometimes you know. If, if we're dealing with Jimmy, like I, I can work my way into number two. Jay goes into number three. But then, like something happens. Now they're, you know, now I've been pushing, or the younger brother gets on and I'm in the fourth position. Like, it's one of those different. Uh, there's like a tier system, and like we're we're like a tournament seeds trying to jockey for position. But uh, I've always been able to manipulate the the relationships to where they never actually physically try to jump me. Not, so yet. That, that's, uh, not yet. That's not yet. <laughs> not yet. We say that for on camera. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. No, it's it's always been one of those things. I, I don't know if you have like I, I grew up with twins. I had two sets of twins. Uh, you know, our sons. Um, that dynamic is completely different. Like they're like you have brothers, right? Like you know, and there's a bond, but there's a different level of uh, connection and and bonding between twins and man it's it's a different dynamic and my whole life i wanted to be a twin i wanted like i wanted to have that type of relationship but then once you get older and when you see the negatives and and the struggle for identity it really pulls you back and you're like well mm -hmm. man i'm thankful for just being me i'm thankful for being unique enough to be a one-on-one -one. um but all these different lessons and, and dynamics and interactions and perspectives that we've had through our through our childhood all the way to adulthood it's allowed us to really create this dynamic and display it you know in a performance aspect so it's uh being twins is a different that's a, it's a different world man but not they, those fools never jump me they never <laughs> that's what i like to hear that's what i like to hear um all right dipperstein's not here but he had one question for me to ask you which is since you are the head of the table if forced to order for the table, what appetizer are you are you getting? I mean, literally at a restaurant. Um, what kind of restaurant? No. Is this just whatever yeah, I want? Yeah, take whatever you want. If you had your choice as head of the table to pick an appetizer for the table, what appetizer are you doing? 
We're going to uh, crispy rice, like uh, the spicy tuna on top of the crispy Ooh. rice. You ever been there, like in sushi? Okay. It's got to be good, though. This has to be, like, grade A. Like, th this sushi restaurant has to have Wagyu and Toro and, like, all the Japanese fish and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, and then we'll do something like uh, some Brussels sprouts, like some good crispy, Class, like, good flavored Brussels sprouts yeah. or something like that. Yeah, man. Crispy rice and Brussels sprouts. That's the next <laughs> yeah. T-shirt coming. Yo, um, Roman, I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love getting to talk to people when they're having like a, a real moment at the top uh, of their game and you have been doing that for over a year madison square garden september 10th tickets on sale on friday and of course uh we got money in the bank coming up we got SummerSlam coming up and every friday night on smackdown appreciate you taking the time with us today yeah thank yes, you, thank you for having me. all right man see you around the bed thank you My pleasure. All right, boys. peace there he is ladies and gentlemen the great roman reigns stat guy did i surprise you you did. You did. I, I thought you had something up your sleeve. You did? Just because the timing, like noon, we never do this time this early in the week. So I was like, okay, there's something up the sleeve. Really? But I, I could I thought, not have I, predicted the tribal chief. I could not have predicted the tribal chief. I got to tell you, I'm almost disappointed at how well you kept it together. <laughs> I'm a little yeah, disappointed. Listen. Yeah, listen, man. I had to... I I want I was there on the inside, but you know this is the tribal chief, this is the head of the table. I mean, listen, you, you know. still found a way to mildly insult him with your first question, but your recovery was so strong that it kind of, you know, it was it, it wasn't even that much of an insult. He knew that the hate was strong, and he knew that that you know, the true blue Roman Reigns supporters from the beginning were going. We're going, uh, experiencing that hate with him, and he knew that, like he said, it was a, it was a very vocal segment that sort of drowned us out. So you know, even if it felt like it was a couple of us, that's all it was. It just Listen, like I just, I didn't know. I thought maybe your face would visually be like your face wasn't even shocked though. I thought like for a second, did he think I was talking to a video of Roman Reigns? Because when you appeared, <laughs> no. you didn't look surprised, and I was like, damn it, I wanted the Bret Hart face. <laughs> That's what I was going for. Well, see, that's why I'm trying to keep it together. Because if you remember that that same day, you hit me with Jinder Mahal too. So I got I got Jinder and Brett. Oh wait, you didn't. You weren't day. in. On, you weren't in on the gender thing. I was not in on in on the gender either. By the way, speaking of which, oh, but God, what a! I was so disappointed with that elimination of of gender this week. Yeah, I, I don't the money know. in the bank qualifier match. Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna get what we are hoping for with gender. I'm. I'm I'm concerned about the path that this appears to be on SGG. I mean, I'm not going to put that out in the universe. I think gender still has another another couple of good runs in them. Um, so we'll hopefully. We'll I feel hopefully like he's being to, hindered. I feel I feel like it too, but I hopefully you know he's still be around to to seize an opportunity should one arise. Dipperstein, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. Um, big answer from Roman. Do you want the answer to your question? Big of answer. Of course. Sticky rice. <laughs> and, and, and Brussels sprouts. What? Oh yeah. He's an, oh, crispy Brussels sprouts. I, I got to tell you, it's, it's a, you know where he could have this entire meal, Dipperston? Dipperland Ranch. Well, of course, but that's not what I meant. Right after he finishes a show at the Staples Center. <laughs> Absolutely. At uh, Katsuya. He can walk right over to Katsuya and hands down get some delicious sticky rice and crispy 
Brussels sprouts. Um, he was dip. I'm excited for you to listen. I, SG, I thought he was tremendous today. I, I did too, and it's it's it speaks to the work he's doing because I don't know how much of that we were getting with was the real guy versus the character. I feel like he went in and out at oh, the yeah. appropriate uh, times where it was almost like a seamless. But he did a great job, like not being silly, you know. And in 2021. You know, I appreciate people who can keep the character as well as they possibly can, but like in an interview about wrestling to continue to work the person, while in some sense I appreciate it, it's like, okay, but look, come on, we're trying to do a thing here. And he did both. Like he managed to talk. He really did both well. Um, yeah, he weaved in and out of it just flawlessly, perfectly. I wonder if he was. You know, I wonder Go ahead, Dim. If he's referring to. This steamed sort of bland Brussels sprouts. No. Or if he's talking about the, you know, mixed with pancetta or bacon bits. No, he means the crispy crispy Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. No, no, he means the latter. Crispy and there's bacon bits and there's like. Oh, they're crispy. They're crispy as well. He said crispy. Oh, he He said crispy. He said crispy. Yeah. Is there anything worse that when you order Brussels sprouts at a restaurant as a side dish? And they come out like that hard to chew, like steamed, tasteless Brussels sprout. Ugh. That just basically tastes like lettuce. I hate when I cook a Brussels sprout because that's what happens. By the way, Dip Bear wanted to say hello. I'm Hi Bear. What are your th- what are your thoughts on this creature? <laughs> that's all Bear gets. Yeah, I mean I Bear's been avoiding me for almost two years now. Yeah, Bear, you got him right here in front of you. Anything you want to say? To me, he seems like the head of the table. I want to say you should have chose chicken. I'm still not over it. I can't believe that um, it wasn't a wings or a nachos or a. I thought something it, like well, that. I, I, Dipperstein and I discussed this earlier, and uh, you know, Dip said I said chicken, chicken wings. Dipperstein predicted. Nachos. And when you said nachos, I thought, you know what? He may be a nacho guy. That might be a really good call. I could see him eating nachos. And he went super classy with it. (sighs) Sticky rice and and crispy Brussels sprouts. I I don't even know what to say about this. Um, He was terrific again this past Friday on SmackDown. Um, The story now, this, I got to tell you, for all the things we can say about how bad stories have been, it's like, I don't know who's writing the, the Roman story, but like there's so many layers to it. Like, so funny because, like, we're rest- got to be Paul, right? It's got to be Heyman. I have no idea. We don't, I, I mean, I don't, Paul's not a writer. Whoever's doing it is clearly doing a great job. They're layering in him. You know how I always complain, like, you know, what wrestling is, is missing right now is like the storyline that's above the A storyline. Mm-hmm. To me, um, even though the like the Roman of it all is the A storyline, it feels like it captures both things. It's clearly the biggest thing going on in wrestling, and it's something that you can watch week to week and follow, and it's like, you know, enjoyable wrestling wise as well, because Roman is so at the top of his game, both on the mic and in the ring. Well, and, and so and, and you have the Usos for matches who are always gonna be good for a match. So right, everyone involved. Say, you also have the Usos. So like, even if the Usos aren't like wrestling one week, or excuse me, if the, if the Usos are wrestling one week, that's like the A storyline, and the above that storyline is Roman. 
And so the whole situation is serving both purposes. And I thought that the edge reveal this week, even though we sort of knew he was going to come back ish, it was still, it still felt like a surprise and it felt like something genuine that the fans were excited about. And it's going to be a great match. There's no, there's no question. He'll lose. Edge is going to lose. No, Edge has to lose. Edge will lose. This is crazy. Um, this is crazy. And I just, I just wanted to go back. I know you guys were talking a little bit about Jinder Mahal, and I just wanted to say, watching that battle royal, and I love a battle royal because you really get to see who they care about and who they're pushing. Oh yeah. It just reminded you watching that segment of what an incredible roster they have right now. Whether it's Riddle or Damian Priest or Jeff Hardy, even Jinder Mahal, if they were to be using these people right, there is a mid to upper card right now that is, you know, unmatched as far as, you know, what the past years have been. And so it just reminds you, like, all the potential is there. We just need to be using these guys in the correct way. Yeah, it's, it's true what you say. Like, but that's the scary part, though, is are they going to use these guys in the correct way? Because they, they always had a deep roster to, to have, like, a strong main event scene, strong mid-card, but especially with them thinning it out right now and, and releasing people, feels like every week. You know, it's who, who just about who stays and who goes that's going to make the, make or break that. I don't know what it is about Jinder Mahal. Is that you know maybe he maybe he's injury prone. Maybe he's got heat. I have no idea. But every single time you see him in a prominent role on television, it reminds you of how dominant and main eventy looking he is. Yeah. I mean, the guy is gargantuan. He looks amazing. He can actually speak well on the mic. I mean, his mic work is better than. 98% of the rest of the roster. I mean, it was it, in that backstage segment at the beginning of Raw, he clearly was the was the main eventer in that room. Cedric Alexander was yeah. fighting over his words. Even Jeff Hardy could barely, like, you know, really put it together. Jinder Mahal was like a focused speaker. I know. There. That's why That's why I hope that isn't the, the, the path that it goes um, for Jinder. Because uh, the way he needs he was- the IC title. The way he was tossed out, though, I don't know. It was like, uh, yeah, it was it was troubling. It was it was in a word troubling. Um, hold on, I was I was thinking something about SmackDown though, um, and Jim. Oh yeah, and they they've just reversed this whole story now. Where now Jay and Jimmy have switched places. It's inter- I truly don't know what's going to happen. Like I, I there's an actual yeah. story where I go. I don't know how this plays out. I need to watch every week because I'm not exactly sure. And. I, I wish that could extend into other stories. Um, I think everyone's enjoying Riddle and 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 Randy and that story. Like the Riddle thing, he went from his character was like so over. It took time for me to appreciate the over the topness of the the character. It's finally a character. Yeah, and I'm that's real- what you're appreciating that it's finally now evolved into an actual character and not just like an extension of. His looks. Yeah, I guess or, for for a I mean, while it hovered. They didn't use him enough to think the character was good. I just thought it was making his in-ring character silly. But now that it's used every week, multiple times, like he's a regular talking character, the way in the Attitude Era you had a lot of people, the APA were on throughout the show. You're able to learn who he is now, and now it's funny and it works. And I'm- I am good with Riddle being a prominent member of the roster and being on every week. He's he's he's. It's corny, but it's it's actually it's something. Yeah, I, I think it's something. 
It's something. I think. It's yeah, it's, I think it's. I think it's something bad for him though, because he just cost Randy Orton mm. his uh, Money in the Bank spot. So he did indeed. The I think the honeymoon is over for RK Bro. Which, Wait, so he he ended up winning the triple threat match, and now he is in. No. Well, he already qualified. Oh, he was fighting and, for Randy and lost. Yes. You know who won the triple threat match? No, I didn't. I didn't <laughs> see the main event of Raw. I watched all SmackDown. Uh, do you want to know? Do you uh, Drew, know? Drew McIntyre, think, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Which. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. My hope for the Money in the Bank briefcase, though, honestly, I don't know if I should put this in the universe, mm. but it's uh, it's Biggie wins the briefcase. Mm. Kofi wins the championship after I a hard-fought battle with uh, Bobby Lashley. And then Biggie cashes in on Kofi after the, the battle of his life to become. Oh, you're finally welcome aboard, SGG. WWE champion. Ah, you're fi- so you're finally here now. I think, I, that's what I want to see. I, wanna, right. I would like to it see Biggie cash uh, in on Kofi. About time. Yeah, I mean, listen, oh I, God, that would be that would be absolutely brilliant if they had Biggie cash in on Kofi. Oh. And and the it, the way you said it, SGG too. Kofi has the fight of his life, barely survives, but somehow beats Lashley. And while he's laying there holding the title, celebrating, Biggie it would be. In. And we and and like the swerve would be would be amazing too, right? Because Biggie comes down with his briefcase that he just won. Kofi's holding his championship. Woods is like, you know, my guys, these we did it. You think that they're there to celebrate New Day's success of the night, and then Biggie is like, no, 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 I'm here, I'm here for this briefcase to the head of Woods, briefcase to the head of Kofi, pin over. Yeah, new champion. Does Money in the Bank have a crowd or no? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah. That would be the pop of the <laughs> century. I know. I know. Okay. I'm so excited. Oh, can you imagine what that would be in it with a well, crowd? Well, you know, we haven't talked about this. We're, everyone, you know, has a tendency to talk about SummerSlam, but Money in the Bank's a big deal. Like Money in the Bank is the third at this point. It's the the fourth biggest pay per view. Let's let's call it. You killing Survivor Series? You bumping it down? Oh, for sure. Money in the Bank is no doubt. <laughs> well, Survivor Series out of here. But hold on, is that even close? That's not even in conversation, is it? It's, it's in the not, conversation. I mean, it's traditionally, I, you know, I, I'm, I hate to, you know, for the tradition's sake, it's still a big four to me. But but, but you're but right in, in terms real, of popularity, in real, though. In real life, in terms of quote unquote importance to stories, Money in the Bank crushes Survivor Series. Yeah, we always and in terms of popularity of, and all of that too, because it's like it's, well, popularity. It's popularity for sure but i'm just saying yeah. we always complain about survivor series there's no stories they make up why there's a story money in the bank really sets the tone for stories for the whole year so it's not only is it a huge pay-per-view but it's the first regular isn't the first live show friday night in houston yeah so so real quick in in a, in a couple of weeks in two weeks we have a live SmackDown on Friday night, which will be their first live televised show out of the Thunderdome. And then two days later, in Fort Worth, the first live in-person pay-per-view in what will be a jammed building in Fort Worth. It's going to be a, yep. a really interesting couple of days. And they really have to deliver on that pay-per-view. The crowd yeah. will be hot galore. I mean... That's my guess. <laughs> you think? It's going to be... <laughs> The, mo- the, the money in the bank matches are going to be explosive with the crowd. And yes, that is a great point. They're going to need to deliver. And having something like 
Big E win and cash in on Kofi, which is never going to happen in a billion years, would be set the tone for the rest of the year. Honestly, yeah, it would. A Kofi, uh, a Kofi Big E storyline would be mage. Yeah, I, like you said, but I don't the see them is, doing what would that do to, it. But what, what, what I would like to, to see. But first of all, first of all, I'm getting excited talking about this. Well, first of all, it's 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 not the right brand. So they're not. I know do but it. they're they're about to have a draft. When is the draft? It's the it's right after SummerSlam, two days after SummerSlam, I think. I believe so, right? Day, I think it's the day. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, it's, it's, show, it's the following. No, I, I got retired. I heard it's the following Friday, and then the Monday after that, I believe, are the is the draft. So that's not till the end of August. That could work. Oh, that can win. Yeah. No, this is Money in the Bank. I mean, they could do it anyway. There's only one Money in the Bank winner, so can't you challenge wherever you want? Yeah, you can. Yes. Good point. So it doesn't matter. But but also, my question is, where would that leave Lashley? To, Lashley might get drafted. Who knows? No, it's going to be Lesnar, they're saying. But Lashley and Lesnar, it, that's going to involve the title. It doesn't need it particularly, but it, it's, no. it's going to, they're going to have Lesnar will want it to involve the title. Yeah. Now, flip side of that coin, though. <laughs> yeah. Flip side of that coin, though. There's a way they could do it without Kofi winning the title, and you that you want to know something that doesn't need a story. What doesn't need a story is Kofi and Big E. Agreed. They 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 need nothing. You mean it doesn't need a title? I mean, it doesn't need a title for the story. The story is the story. So there's also a world in which you know Big E gets involved in that match. You think it's going to be one way. It turns out to be another. Him and Kofi split. Lashley wins the match as a result. Lashley keeps the title. And Kofi and Big E get into it. But we're starting to fantasy book here big let me, time. Let me just say, though, let me just say, let me just say one thing. And, you know, for all the ish we talk and all the fantasy booking that we do. If we're entering a world in, a world. in which we have Roman Reigns and Edge or and or Roman Reigns and John Cena, we have Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. We have the Usos feuding. We have Riddle and Randy Orton, and we have Big E and Kofi Kingston. Mm -hmm. That is like five or six unbelievably well-positioned and put-together feuds and stories. If they could figure out a way for all of them to come together at major pay-per-views and actually have real builds and real stories, we're talking about a complete turnaround in the product. Yeah. In my opinion. Ratings... Pay-per-view buys, whatever it is, attendance. People want to see stuff like that. Meaningful stories with pe- for people that have, have his- that have blood feuds and histories. And if, if they're about to enter an era of that, for taking us to the end of the year, I'm good to go. I, it, doesn't that just speak to how big this, that pay-per-view is? Yes, it does. Because it, it yeah. can set up everything. It it's like, do you want the tone to be? Oh my gosh, they're back! This is what they needed. It they're back, or do you want it to be? Uh, well, it doesn't feel that different. That you need, we need a reset so bad. Now, SGG, before you came on the podcast, I asked Roman Reigns, um, just how wrong you were essentially with your take on the Thunderdome. And his and, and his answer was interesting. From a product perspective, he absolutely wants it back. 
but he did acknowledge the same feeling that everyone has of like, I've gotten kind of used to working we from home. <laughs> that was basically what he, his answer was basically that is, that's hilarious yeah his answer was basically oh you know we need the crowd back to do what we do and and it's just not the same but at the same time just going to tampa for work every week is really great really nice yeah. i was like oh my god you're the same as everybody else on planet earth who doesn't want to go back to the office every day <laughs> yeah his office tours yeah his office yeah. is a pain in the ass yeah. um some, uh, anything else big from SmackDown? I just watched it, and I and I thought it was a pretty decent show. Um, but I, I thought Raw was a decent show too. This week, yeah. How are you guys? With that. How yeah, are you? SmackDown. SmackDown was good this week. I can't believe I'm saying that. No, SmackDown is good sometimes. SmackDown's good every week. It's, I, just, I can't believe you said that Raw was. But you I mean, but you agree, SGG or no? That both were good. Yeah, yeah. I do. The thing is about Raw is we saw some some faces we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I like that. And, uh, well, and and there was a main event that had some consequence. I mean, I do think there's some things that are annoying, like some people arbitrarily get into Money in the Bank. Some people just get to have one match and have it. Then other people have to win a battle royal to get into a triple threat to get into the Money in the Bank. Well, no, no. What happened was they had the qualifiers. They had the three qualifiers, and then the losers of the three qualifiers were gonna do like a last chance thing to get into the fourth spot, but because Randy wasn't competing last night and they advertised the triple threat, they had to figure out who gets Randy's spot. I know. It just yeah. seemed like the Battle Royal was a... It, listen, it was fun to add the Battle Royal, so who am I going to complain? Because Why am I going to yeah. get into how realistic it was? Well, I'm just saying, if Randy was there, there wouldn't have been a Battle Royal. Right. Because Randy would have been in the triple threat. Right, that's but Randy fair. being absent caused them to have to like... But didn't Carmella simply declare that she was in Money in the Bank, but Liv Morgan had to win a match to get into Money in the Bank? I think Carmella tried to declare, and then Liv Morgan and Carmella competed. But I think I think Carmella's already in because of that. I'm, I'm going to look. I think she's already in simply because she declared it, whereas Liv had to win be. her way in. Carmella should be in. She's mage. I understand that, but... Um, <laughs> Carmella is in the Money in the Bank, and I think she did just declare it. I think she declared it, whereas then Liv had to fight for it. She has every right. Um. Wait. Well, no, Liv, Carmella must have beat Liv then because Liv is not in this Money in the Bank ladder match. Wait, I'm confused. Liv won that match, though. I thought she said if you want to get in, you beat her right now. Did Liv tap out? I thought Liv tap. Did Liv tap out to the, the code of silence? I thought Liv pinned her and stole her for the, and beat her for the second week in a row. Because oh. Liv beat her two weeks ago. I thought she beat her two weeks in a row. Okay, hold this on. is this is the high quality wrestling content you get from a, yeah a frog people fight. who really understand what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. All right, um, Carmella as the first SmackDown's four. Liv Morgan, who had been feuding with Carmella, took issue as Carmella did not compete in a qualifier or earn her spot. Deville then had Morgan face Carmella to prove she deserved to be in the match, and Morgan subsequently defeated Carmella. So it, it feels like they just didn't add her here because she, uh, she did beat Carmella twice in a row. That's neither here nor there. Um, and Stack Guy Greg, do you happen to have uh, Black Power rankings on this here big week of professional wrestling? Oh, yeah. In at number three is Swerve Scott. Um, hey, leader, what up, Swerve? The leader, he's a great guy. 
of the faction Hit Row NXT. Last night, he competed for and won the NXT North American Championship in what was an enjoyable match. I know you guys don't catch up with NXT. I, I know you guys like binge it before TakeOver to get brought up to speed. But if there's a match that is rewatchable that you should go back and check out, it was this main event from last night where Swerve Scott became your new NXT North American Champion. In at number two, I'm going to give it to Kofi Kingston. Okay. In a, in a rare move, because he didn't compete this past weekend, this past week, um, it was just promo work, just mic work. But I got to say, that segment between him and MVP was still top tier, excellent mic work. And he got the better of MVP. And I think he, he showed that he has, uh, he can be a threat to Bobby Lashley, <laughs> even though MVP threatened for the match to be as severe or worse as uh, Brock Lesnar's encounter with Kofi Kingston. So in a number two is Kofi Kingston. And then in a number one, even though I probably should have lumped them together, but that would have felt cheap, is Big E, who qualified for that Money in the Bank briefcase. And like I said, I hope that he goes on to win. I know Drew also qualified, and people are speculating that Drew might be the one to get the briefcase and then hover around Roman for a little while. But um, I'm hoping Big E gets that briefcase, and then I'm hoping for the breakup of wow, the I never thought I'd see the day. as dip. I never thought I'd see the day. But Big E cashing in on on Kofi Kingston. Wow, that would be so. But that's that's down the road. But for right now, Big E is just number one on this week's Black Power rankings. Shouts to Big E. He's a guru. Check check out. Check this out. Look at this. Wow. Honorable honorable mention in Black Power rankings. (laughs) Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter, LJN. LJN. I mean, look at this beautiful item. How excited are you? It's interesting because this one um, has no give to it. It's it's impossible to move the arms. It's 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 stiffer than the others. Well, he worked stiff. He did work stiff. Uh, maybe that's why they did it. But uh, it does have the GI Joe symbol on the side, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And uh, it really is just a stunning, beautiful item, and I'm very proud to have it. Um, I'm very excited for you. I think you deserve this joy in your life, and particularly to celebrate July Fourth. I think it's important that you celebrate with a true American hero. All I have <laughs> left is Haku and Bossman, and I, I can't bring myself to buy them. <laughs> um, Skyler and I considered getting one for your birthday. Oh, wow. And the problem was, though, none of them had, like, a best offer online. They were just auctions whose starting price was obscene. I, I'm telling you, people are going and going. The prices are going up for every single one of them. Warlord I mean, is now, what? like... Worth four hundred dollars, it was worth like two fifty a, a year ago. You should blame ago. yourself though. <laughs> you, ever since you come over here, every week you drive the price up on yourself. Yeah, you're doing it yourself. You, yeah, that's what I did with wrestling t-shirts. Look now, you, you now someone here, has a Royal Rumble. Now someone has an original Royal Rumble shirt from the first one. The guy's asking three thousand dollars for it. It's, well, it's really? such a do you, it's such a made shirt. It's the shirt with wait, all, which shirt is this? It's the white one from the first. I believe it's the first one, or is it ninety two? With with all of them on it. Well, the, the 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 I think the only shirt from the first one is purple with yellow writing, or purple with oh, white that's writing. Right. It's ninety two. It's not, it's it's the I'm pretty. Let me go look. I'm pretty sure it's the flare one. Uh, let's see if I'll tell you right now. Oh yeah, it's the flare one. It's 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 an incredible shirt, Rumble '92. It's got so it's got earthquake, 
Savage. Let me see that. Hogan. And I'm considering I want to try to get the dude to trade with me. But I was I was like, yo, if our starting point is three thousand, that's that's not a reasonable starting point. Let's no that's one absurd. When people do that, yeah, you know, Ted included, when people throw out the starting number of like twenty five hundred to three grand, I, I'm like, it's not I get it, I understand it, but it's not happening. It can't no. happen. There is no wrestling shirt worth three thousand dollars. I don't care. That's not ring worn. Yeah, I mean, ring worn is worth three thousand dollars. Like I know me, and I know what I would have been willing to do for the Texas tornado before I got it. And I, I'm as I'm, I'm not as crazy as it gets. Ted is crazy as it gets, but I'm I'm pretty crazy. I think I got a, I could have gotten pushed to like eight hundred bucks for that. Like, and that was my most what? What is that? Too much or too little? Too much. I, I would be calling. Yeah. I'd probably call your mother. Think about. Hold on. But what's the most you paid for an LJN? <laughs> you call his mom's. <laughs> I'd probably call your mother. For what's this. the most you, you what's, paid? dollars on a Texas tornado shirt. She's. I'm, we're having a conversation. What? What? How much did you pay for uh, the most expensive LJN so far? I have not much. One fifty. Sure. Less or more? Less. Really? Oh, you're not even that bad then. But I was just gonna say a shirt is so much to me. A shirt no, has I, so I much more value. Huh? To me, a shirt has so much more value than anything. It's it's one of the reasons. Like I, I love the cards, and I'm very into my wrestling cards. But shirts will always be so important to me because that you can display them. Like unless you're going to be Logan Paul and wear a card around your neck, it's just not the same as owning a shirt where you get to wear it. It's just it's it's such a joyous experience. All right, let's just hit a quick, at least just this one message. I know I'm I have I still haven't done mailbag, and I still have cameos to do. Shout out to all the peckerheads whose family members asked for cameos. Here we go. Here's a dip even made an appearance last week in a cameo. Someone got a real bonus, SGG. And yeah, and shout out to you for not letting me know the tribal chief was coming. I showed up with a body by cheesesteak shirt on, but that, 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 you know that's neither here nor there. Dip SGG was like barely surprised. He came on. He was like, "What's up, Roman?" Oh, inside he was pleased. He took a he of took course, an emodium immediately. Well, he I did popped see, an emodium instantly. Yeah, I mean, I did see his erection creep into the screen momentarily. All right, all right. All right, here we go, real quick. M- oh, sorry. M- 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 mail. Trevor says, Peter heard the newest ep of Cheap Heat, and bro, you got me hungry. Can you possibly make a tradition of doing a Cheap Heat and Eat episode where you guys do a road trip? Try the barbecue ribs you were talking about, or even a foodie episode based on the location of a pay-per-view. Maybe one of the big four pay-per-views. Sounds like a job made for the physically hungry one to host. It would just be you guys going over the card for the pay-per-view while eating delicious fare. We also need an annual Great Guy and Gal Awards episode. I know oh, that's a get, good idea. I know they don't get handed out willy-nilly, but I'd be interested in that episode. Guys, continue the awesome contribution to the Eric Arena of podcasting. Peace to Dip Flair and shout out Stack Guy Greg forever. Sir Trevor of Brooklyn. Really, Sir Trevor, I like that idea. Really, really nice. We um, could go and go with some food and, oh, I think and some delicious chicken. I want everyone to know if you are considering SummerSlam, there will be an event that involves cheap heat potentially delicious chicken, and wrestling for sale items. 
There's going to be something. So if you're on the fence and you're deciding whether you're going to drive from L.A. to Vegas or drive from Phoenix to Vegas or fly from New York to Vegas, there will be something the Saturday, the day, the morning of SummerSlam. There will be something. There's something going on. Something. Confirmed. All right. Everyone, Roman, Stack Guy, Dipperstein, do me a favor and uh, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the holiday weekend as well, everyone. Stay mage, everybody. Stay mage, too, if you have time. Oh, that was very nice of you guys to say that to everyone. Appreciate you. It's professional wrestling. Wrestler in the history of the art form. Mitch.